0: Please.
1: Truth seekers and truth crusaders. You can also submit a direct donation to the cause anytime at funkinstuff.net. At that site, which is loaded with awesome content, you can also purchase the book Everything's on the One: The First Guide to Funk. Shop for official Truth and Rhythm and, Funk and Stuff merchandise, and use the Amazon links for all of your online purchases, which allocates a percentage to this show. Sponsorship opportunities are available as well. Contact me directly at scottg@funkinstuff.net. at funkinstuff.net. For those of you who go the extra step in supporting the show, you have my heartfelt gratitude for allowing us to continue to shine the light on those special artists whose quest is to find truth in rhythm. I am pleased to welcome to the Truth and Rhythm Mothership original Stone City band guitarist Tom McDermott. Playing rhythm and solos behind Rick James in studio and on stage, he appeared in all of James's late 1970s and 1980s albums, as well as three Stone City band records and several others by Tina Marie, Mary Jane Girls, Val Young, and others. A long list of hits from those recordings includes You and I, Mary Jane, Bustin' Out, Love Gun, Big Time, Square Biz, Give It To Me Baby, Super Freak, Standing On The Top, Candyman, My House, All Night Long, 17 cold-blooded lover girl and Lucy's rap McDermott continues to thrill audiences with stone city band performances that keep James's legacy his amazing catalog and punk funk alive and well Tom thank you for joining me how are you thanks for having me
0: I'm doing great I'm doing great how about you
1: I'm doing well thank you so good to have you thanks for joining the show man I appreciate it yeah it's great Where are you today?
0: Today, I'm uh, in Tampa, Florida. And uh, I moved here from L.A. about four or five years ago. And um, it's becoming to get like L.A., crowded, housing prices going through the roof and uh, the traffic, you know. So I feel quite at home.
1: (laughs) I know the feeling, you know, I came out to uh Charlotte, North Carolina in 2006 from Los Angeles uh, and people are like, wow, it must've been a huge culture shock, but there's so many transplants and it's gotten so crowded that it's not so much of a culture shock.
0: Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, people are moving all over, you know, a lot of people are moving out of LA. I know a few friends of mine have, have gone and left. It's just too much for them. I, I miss it. I miss yeah, you know, some of the clubs down there, and uh, like uh, the baked potato, loved going there. You know.
1: Wow, that's funny. The last interview I just did, I interviewed a um, Cornelius Mims, bass player, and uh, he's out in L.A. and he referenced the baked potato when he was coming up how much he liked going to shows there. So that's funny. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely a good hang there. You know, it's pretty iconic place to hear good music.
1: Yeah, that's one of the things I miss for sure. Tom is just the, the ubiquitous music in Los Angeles. You know, you can just go almost any day of the week and see somebody. And there's so, you know every tour stops there. Yeah, and Charlotte's not quite like that.
0: Right, right. Yeah, Tampa is kind of hit and miss too. You know.
1: Hmm. But you got the Super Bowl champs at least. Yeah, that's right. That's right. from last year, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Back to LA with the champs, uh, this year, but, uh, so, uh, man, impressive catalog you've been part of. And, um, again, thank you for having you and, uh, you know, going to jump back and uh, test your memory banks a little bit. So hopefully that'll be fun. Yeah. (laughs) So you're from Buffalo originally. Is that where you're from? Or no, I'm
0: actually from originally from California. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Southern California, Burbank area. It's right next to Hollywood
1: Right. Yeah. Um, that's where they have all the studios. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So how did you make that, uh, you know, Buffalo connection? How did that happen?
0: Well, I was playing in a band and, uh, the keyboard player, his wife at the time, Lisa, uh, she was singing with Rick and, uh, they needed a guitar player and they came out to LA and started rehearsing. And, uh, she said, "Hey, why don't you check it out?" I did. You know, went over there and met Rick and at his house in his mansion, and um, and, and met him. And it just worked out after that. You know, played a little bit, and it was like instant uh, family. You know,
1: wow. That's basically how it went. You know, I'm asking more details about that, but I do want to know how you first got into guitar and what your experiences were prior to Rick. Yeah.
0: Basically, I got into guitar probably about 15, 16. I loved jazz. I loved West Montgomery, Joe Pass, all the jazz greats. Um, And then I started uh, thinking, well, if I want to play and make money, I got to learn commercial music. So I I started that and, I, you know, going in and out of top 40 bands, playing the club circuit, and that's uh, something that a lot of, people don't get to do these days, you know. Um, and basically that, just going from there to another band, another band, you know, and just getting experience all the way. I uh, played with Little Anthony. Um, that was kind of a trip because we would go out on the weekends and then fly back home. And uh, that that was kind of like sort of like the edge of a big break, you know. But um, and that lasted a while. Then, you know, original bands and stuff like that, you know, it's just uh, always trying to keep working and making yourself better.
1: Were you kind of self-taught or did you have lessons or?
0: Yeah, I, I had lessons. I took lessons from a, a jazz player and um, basically self-taught. I, I took some reading lessons, but basically, you know, it, it's, Pretty much on your own after that, after you get a foundation, you know, you listen to records, transcribe solos and, and pick up ideas, you know, little things here and there. <clears throat> Plus being in top 40 bands, you had to learn the tunes and it wasn't like there was a sheet music. It was like you had to go put the kneel down to the record, slow down if you have to and just pick up all the parts that you could, you know, that was really a great way to train.
1: <clears throat> it's funny you mentioned Little Anthony because I have uh Pepe Willie coming on the show next week. And he actually, when he was young, he uh he had a uncle, I think, that worked for Little Anthony. And oh yeah. That's how he got exposed to the music industry before he went on to doing a studio and and mentoring Prince. So
0: wow wow yeah
1: little anthony has uh some big ties i guess
0: yeah yeah i guess he's still doing shows in las vegas from what i hear you wow know. i'd like to run into him again actually i got fired from that gig because we uh <clears throat> we were on a break <clears throat> and everything we did was cash right you get paid by cash not a check so i went down to the unemployment office when we had break thinking i'd be able to collect unemployment in between gigs you know he found out about that and he just flipped you know what the hell are you trying to do get me in trouble you know so he said he said we'll have to you know it's we'll just have to cut it here you know take your losses go you know so yeah that's what happened
1: how how old were you
0: i was like in 19 or 20 you know didn't know any better
1: (laughs) (laughs) Tom, who are some of your uh, biggest influences and, and heroes uh, on guitar and maybe just musically in general?
0: Uh, big influences. Um, it, it comes to mind Eddie Van Halen, number one. You know, he's just like Jimi Hendrix, um, all the greats. You know, basically Hendrix and, and uh, Eddie and uh, like a lot of the r b players, um the studio musicians you know like ray parker um it just anybody i could pick up anything little here look here and there it was always you know wh- whoever's playing you know
1: did you get to see van halen back in the day
0: yeah i did back in the day in fact i got uh i got front row seats at the forum and I think in 1981, and I was just like so stoked. I got to meet Eddie backstage after the show. And uh, yeah, that was like, I was in heaven. It's like, oh my God, there's my hero, you know?
1: <laughs> did, like, you yeah. att- did you attempt to do some of that crazy finger picking stuff and things that he was, tricks he was doing?
0: No, he didn't show me any of those, but I I figure some of that stuff out later on. Cause when I first heard the Van Halen record, it was like, like everybody else it was like, Who the what the heck is going on? Who is this? You know, what is he doing? What is that? You know? And it was just, yeah, just something so, so original, you know, he just exploded everybody's mind.
1: So did you play with other people that, uh, any names we might recognize uh, prior to Rick?
0: um not really no no just just uh local bands you know um around the LA area
1: and so about how old were you when it was was it Levi Ruffin who was the keyboard player that you mentioned
0: yeah Levi who's uh he was is a keyboard player and um yeah, he's won Oscars, and we're still we're still doing stuff. You know, we just a couple of weeks ago we did the uh, Soul Train cruise. That was kind of a trip. You know, on on the, we played a couple of shows on there, and we have a gig in Seattle in June. So we're we're still working. You know, we're still putting it out there. You know.
1: Yeah, well, that's awesome. That's so good. Yeah. You know, so good. Keeping it alive for sure. Um when you first encountered rick what was your your first impression
0: uh he was really nice um he was uh really warm you know he shook my hand gave me a hug you know and said hey man how's it going you know and uh yeah it, it was like instant uh like we knew each other for a while you know it was really warm a nice person
1: and what had he done done to that point you know what year are we talking here
0: he had just uh finished his second album busting out and was going to start uh rehearsing for a tour and that's when i kind of got the call for that you know
1: so how familiar were you with you know the hits he had had to that point
0: uh I, i was familiar um with um Mary Jane, you know, that was a big hit at the time. And as soon as I heard that he needed a guitar player, I got the records and just just started, you know, shedding on the parts, you know, like, uh, so I'd go in there and know what I'm doing, you know.
1: And you didn't mention any real, you know, funk type acts, you know, were you into funk at that point or?
0: Yeah, I was into Shaka Khan, you know, uh, average wipe-in, uh, a lot of the R- R&B stuff, <clears throat> excuse me, James Brown, uh, got Temptations, that was like, yeah, it was like, uh, let's do a lot of R&B going up too, you know.
1: Okay, that's making sense. <laughs> Did you feel like um, more comfortable, you know, rhythmic, uh, playing rhythm guitar or or taking leads or equal? Or what was your favorite
0: basically it's it's equal it's pretty much all the same it's guitar to me you know whether it's a a solo or fills or playing chords you know it's just uh it's all part of guitar so that's what makes it nice you know you don't have to just stick to notes like a saxophone player or a trumpet player you know you got chords to do you got you know double stops or whatever you know there's uh lot of opportunities to make the the guitar sing you know
1: right and also whatever the song calls for but right um, right but um you know some guys you know not everyone has the rhythm chops you know mm-hmm. to to be in that groove uh you know um it's definitely a different animal from from yeah. soloing so right um, but you cl- clearly could do both you know Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I enjoy doing both, you know. Yeah. Um, and what were what were the other guys in the band like? When what were your first impressions of, of the other Stone City band guys when you first encountered them? <laughs> uh,
0: Levi was actually one of the first band members I met. He was super warm. You know we we've always gotten along. That's my my brother, you know. And uh, he was, and all the other guys were, you know. Real nice, also, you know, really warm-hearted, and you know, um, yeah, that's that's, you know, it just made it so comfortable to to be in a band because nobody was stuck up or had an attitude or anything like that, you know. They're all uh, down home people.
1: And you had, you had the Hughes brothers, and you had Levi, and and who who else rounded up the
0: uh, Oscar Oscar Alston, uh, the bass player. Uh, Danny Lamell was a, a sax player and Erskine uh, Williams, uh, keyboard player, also.
1: And did it become immediately apparent that these guys had a special chemistry? Or, you know, what did you feel?
0: It did. When I started, uh, we started doing rehearsals. It was definitely a, a, a chemistry that I've, was able to adapt to, and, you know, and, and, um, and it, we just gelled, you know, that's a good way of putting it.
1: And did Levi pretty much lead things or did Rick lead the band?
0: Levi was kind of like, yeah, he's generally
1: the, uh, he's the, uh,
0: the boss of the band, I would say, you know, he would, uh, he, he, he's basically our leader, you know, um, because he, he was like, I guess, kind of like the go-between between the band and Rick, you know. He was just that little thing that would always make him, <clears throat> make him us look towards him, you know.
1: He seems like a character, Levi, uh, that I yeah. think also has a wicked sense of humor, maybe.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's got it. He's, he still has that sense of humor. He, he's definitely, you know, I okay get you <laughs> keep you in stitches that's for sure you know
1: <laughs> and did you first perform on a record or first went on a on a show
0: it was basically uh we on tour um it was pretty wild one of the first few gigs we did i remember we were it was like at the uh was it the not the, Rosebud, oh, the coliseum LA coliseum and oh, it man. was like a hundred thousand people were there and it was just, you walk out on stage and I'm just like looking and I go, oh my God, look at all these people. You know, I wasn't nervous or anything, but it was just, it was just breathtaking, you know, cause never playing to that many people before, you know, uh, that was pretty, pretty exciting. You know, it's just amazing. A wall of people on the grounds, in the stands.
1: Wow, so was that like the '79 Funk Fest?
0: Yeah, yeah, it was. I guess with all the all the other bands, I really didn't know the other bands. You know, at the time, I knew George Clinton, but uh, <clears throat> we didn't get to hang out because we were got there. It was pretty coordinated. We got on stage, walked off, and then went back to the hotel.
1: Well, and that was the first show or one of the first shows?
0: That was one of the first shows that really stuck out the most. One of the first shows we did was in Fresno. I know that. And it was at a not quite a big venue, but it was at a good size venue, maybe 5,000 people.
1: I didn't see that show at the Coliseum, but I did see the 1980, I think it was 80. I saw Rick James at the forum and also at the Long Beach arena right around that time. And um, man, the band was so tight and he had such charisma. Um, Great, great show. I mean, as good as there was at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, What can you tell the people about, you know, Rick in terms of what he brought to the stage at that time?
0: Yeah. He was like, he was like a hundred miles an hour with his energy. he would, uh, thinking back on it now, he just performed like no other, you know, he really had the crowd going. He really had him pumped up all the time and he really interacted with him. And it was just, you know, I don't think I've seen a show like that, you know, where somebody can just take the audience and hold them for 90, to 90 minutes to two hours, you know. And that, that's the way he was. He was just so passionate about, what he was doing. He was completely exhausted at the end of the night, you know, but um yeah, he was, he was amazing.
1: And did, did uh, he pick things like costumes or how, how much into the details did, did Rick get?
0: I think he did. I think he did. Uh, he had a costume designer. um I think in like the 1980 tour where we had the space boots and the Sparkly outfits on, and then the the following tour it was basically like we wore what we want, you know, uh which I like that. I, I don't know. I just liked it better. I feel more comfortable wearing what I want to wear, you know, as opposed to all the uniform stuff, you know.
1: Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, were, were all the other band members from Buffalo or?
0: Yeah. Yeah, they're all from Buffalo, Oscar. Lannis, Nate, Levi Erskine, um, yeah, Danny Lamel. He's from the uh, L.A. area. So, um, yeah, majority of the band was from Buffalo.
1: So, but you had one, like, L.A. brother, basically, of the group. Yeah, Someone, right. West Coast, too.
0: Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So I felt at home. <laughs>
1: And what kind of direction did you get in terms of, hey, you know, Tom, uh, really go out and take the spotlight here or, or lay back here? Or, you know, what kind of direction did you get?
0: He basically let me uh, let me do let me do it myself. You know, he never said, don't do this or don't do that or do this or that. It was basically I took it on my own, you know, whether walking the stage or, or whatever, you know, he, he just wanted to be. Me to be me, and like the other musicians, also to be themselves. You know.
1: When did you first uh, meet Tina Marie?
0: Tina, God, it was. I think. I, I don't know. It was like uh, right around the time she was doing her, Irons. Was it name of that album? Irons in the Fire. Yeah, Irons in the Fire, yeah. yeah. Irons in the Fire it was right around that time where she was um, working on that album, and we, we did some tracks for her, you know.
1: <clears throat> and what was your yeah. impression of her? Because I, I, she's one of my all-time favorite female singers, and also I don't think she gets enough credit for being so multi-talented.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. She was She was awesome. Funny you say that, because yesterday I got some... Uh, tracks of the original Fire and Desire and I was listening to her voice and I was was just oh my god, it's like so organic, so perfect, you know like an angel, it's just unbelievable she's, yeah, she never got her, her, her due you know, as far as I'm concerned she was just a very creative person and just a pleasure to work with
1: and so much coming out of that tiny frame, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. You know, that oh, little <laughs> stick of dynamite, man. She was <laughs> awesome.
1: Yeah. Um so on the on the touring front, you know, I gotta bring up uh the infamous um double brit bill with Prince when he was just coming up. What you know, I've asked a lot of people that have been on the show about that and some that have been part of that tour, like, you know, Matt Fink and different people from that band, and I think uh, when uh, Lenice and uh, those guys were on a while back, asked them about it, but what was your impression of, of that tour and that experience? Uh,
0: when Prince came on, it was uh, it was interesting, because he was pretty innovative, you know, with his costumes on stage, and definitely, you know, absolute talent, you know, and um, it was kind of funny because Rick. Re- didn't really like him, you know, I don't know why, maybe he felt a competition or whatever, but there was like this little clash, you know, Um, I do not maybe, I I don't know, maybe that was it, the competition, maybe it was, you know, but, uh, but it it was a Prince I've talked I was talking to him for a few times and a nice guy, you know, didn't, no ego and just a genuine dude, you know.
1: Well, speaking of the competitive, you know, environment, then, I mean, Prince was competitive with his own band at the time, you know, like the tour after that, I think it was when he decided they were too hot to open for his show. So he took them off, you know, so right, right. those those guys were all like trying to, you know, yeah. to each other on some level. Right,
0: right. You know, understandable. You know, you, you don't want to fight out the enemy, you know. <laughs>
1: That must have been a hot show, though. I didn't make it to that particular tour because I don't think it ever played out in Los Angeles, actually. didn't make it there.
0: No, no, we didn't. Uh, yeah, Prince wasn't on a whole lot of the tour, but he was, you know, on some dates. I really can't remember how many how many dates, but, uh, yeah, I don't remember him. He wasn't in L.A. as far as I think, you know, as, as I can remember.
1: Now, there's rumors, legend has it, if you will, that um, Rick borrowed, like, a keyboard that Prince's band had been using and used it on, like, I don't know, I don't know if a super freak or something. Or I, I don't know. Do you ever hear anything about that?
0: No, no, because we always, we all had our own gear, you know, and uh, no, it was just a little rumor. But uh, no, I never heard anything about that, you know. Um.
1: <laughs> uh- What was the first uh, time in the studio with the group?
0: First time in the studio was Fired Up, the Fired Up album. And uh, that was a blast doing that. It was uh, recorded in Sausalito. Uh, we rehearsed in Buffalo and then went to Sausalito. We basically had the outline of the tracks, and basically everything was put together like the other albums also, through uh, ideas there were, we had in the studio or Rick had, you know, and that's how basically everything came together. And he, he would write lyrics there while the rhythm track was down, you know, he'd be writing lyrics, you know, figuring out, you know, the next lyric, the hook and all this, you know, so it was pretty much done on the spot on the recordings, you know. Hmm.
1: Did, did you guys rehearse a lot or you just kind of figured it out a lot of times in the studio?
0: Yeah, pretty much it was mainly in the studio where you got a better idea of what was going on, you know. Um, yeah, that's that's the way it was. We, like I said, we just had an outline of this of tune and um, the basic riff of it or whatever, and uh, it, had, it all came together in the studio.
1: Did some of the maybe jam sessions um outside the studio um you come up with any ideas or riffs that were then brought into the studio
0: not really no no it was um we all had ideas for parts and stuff you know um it really wasn't a whole lot of jamming you know it just like i said just the basic outline of the
1: tune and what about the arranging? Was that mostly Levi's doing or Rick or both? Or,
0: uh, it, it was all of us, I think. We all had a part in it, you know. Um, we would lay down a basic track and then there'd be overdub ideas, synthesizers or whatever. And there would be horns and then a, a vocal track in the backgrounds, you know, just everything came in layers, you know.
1: And would Rick typically do his vocals with you guys around or not?
0: Basically. Uh, yeah. We were around sometimes but after the, most of the time after the, uh, the rhythm tracks were cut, I went home and, um, and they, cause we, we worked like mad dogs in the uh, studio, mm-hmm. um, you know, like long, long sessions, you know, into the wee hours in the morning and, and uh, yeah, that's, Kind of was a little bit of a burnout after a while, you know.
1: (laughs) Was there anyone in the group that just really, um, I mean, they were all good, but was there anybody in the group that like, you really were like, wow, this guy is something Um, on his instrument?
0: Yeah, I think they all were, you know, Um, I guess Danny, you know, the uh, sax player, um, pretty much he was, you know, he was, uh, great talent. Yeah. he actually,
1: he actually got name checked, you know? Yeah. Danny blow.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Right. Right.
1: So, uh, yeah, that was a great album, although it didn't sell quite as much as I guess the previous couple, but, um, but it still was, was, was good. And, um, I think for, um, secret garden, was it that came after that? Um, I'm not Uh, sure.
0: Garden Garden of love.
1: Garden of love. Yeah. 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 That
0: that was, uh, that was an an interesting album. He kind of took a different avenue as far as, um, his writing. And, um, I don't know. It it, it, the, uh, it didn't quite do as well as he would hoped and, uh, and the record company hoped. And then um, that's why it was like uh, pretty imperative that he put out another album that was going to be a hit. And that's when uh, we got together with Street Songs. He, and he, he really relied on the band a lot on that one. Uh, coming up with ideas and parts and stuff, and it was just uh, really awesome to get to stretch out that way. You know, um, yeah, that was a, that was a great album. It was a lot of fun to, to do.
1: That was an awesome album. I remember, you know, I had followed him from the beginning, at least the beginning in terms of "Come Get It." Um, oh. um, and you know the successive albums. I mean, I don't think anyone was fully prepared for Street Songs. You know how strong that was, just from front to back, right. and just the um, variety and every. I mean, it was almost like a hits package. It was so strong.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was almost like a greatest hits album. I think you know, it's like yeah, Love Gun, Give It to Me, Baby, Super Freak, and uh, yeah, it was just uh, Mr. Policeman, you know, Get a
1: Life, a- Love, Get a Life
0: yeah 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 just a lot of a lot of good stuff you know
1: so could you sense at the time um wow this one is something special
0: not really no no uh but we had an idea as as the album was getting close to being finished we knew we had something you know um Yeah. It just turned out to be a bigger success than we'd ever dreamed of, you know?
1: Is it true, Tom, that super freak was sort of a goof?
0: Um, I don't know if it was a goof. It was Oscar and I came up with the line. Um, and we're, I was thinking more of like a Devo type of thing to get more mainstream, more popular type of route to go with that tune. But, um, Yeah, it wasn't a goof. I guess it was a lucky goof if it was, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I got the sense like um, wanting to try something with like a little new wave flavor to it, um, but thinking, okay, let's just do it and see what happens. And then (laughs) it just took off, you know.
0: Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, people just dug it, you know. (laughs) You can hear him singing out in the audience every time um, the tune came up, you know, he would the microphone to the audience, you can hear them all singing like they knew the words and it was a pretty awesome scene.
1: Even though you had done that Coliseum show, I don't think there was a tour that was like the Street Songs tour because that was like something, all those arenas and coast to coast and that must have been pretty grueling.
0: Yeah, it was actually really a lot of fun, you know, to, to play the sold out crowds, you know, every night, two or three nights in a row at a, at a, at a venue. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, it was just, it was pretty awesome, you know, very awesome.
1: <laughs> and, you know, the records kept coming, though. I mean, how did you get, you must have been exhausted because, you know, if you weren't doing Ricks or on tour, you were doing uh, the stone city band records or helping Tina or some of the other acts, you know, Uh Um, what was behind doing the stone city band albums? Um, You know, when did you become aware that there's going to be that opportunity and what was your uh, impression of of that experience?
0: Um, We let's see, we recorded the first album in and out right after I think fired up and then um, it was kind of cool. It was, it was different. It was Rick had a lot to do with it. A lot of it in control of the, the album and and stuff. I don't really remember too many tunes on that record. It didn't do that well. Actually not, none of the three of them really did a whole lot, you know, but uh, the next album we did, he, um, he let us have more freedom and uh it was a lot of fun doing that you know because it was it was our album you know and he gave us a lot of leeway on it
1: so you're talking about um meet the stone city band out from the shadow yeah right that one yeah yeah, yeah that one was fun because of the, like beatles like cover you know and, right yeah yeah. yeah yeah that was his idea
0: it was like uh pretty nice idea you know
1: did you feel like um you know motown was were they behind it or just you know
0: you know i i don't know i didn't i don't know i really can't say if they were or not but i got the feeling they were not you know
1: maybe maybe did you guys get to do any of the material like opening for any of the Rick James shows?
0: Yeah, we did. We did uh actually we had a like a half hour set or 20 minute set or something like that. And uh yeah, we did a a few of our tunes off the albums, you know. Just set up and then uh Tina came on and Rick came on,
1: you know. That must have been fun.
0: Yeah, a lot of playing, a lot of playing, you know.
1: And uh, you also were on sessions for Mary Jane Girls.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had that's a concept he had, and that uh, that went over real well. And That was a lot of fun to do, you know, because it still had our brand on on the on the music, you know.
1: Well, you know, it's been called, of course, punk funk and these different terms. But what do you say were the signature elements of that Rick James Stone City Band sound? Because it definitely was identifiable, as you're just saying, with the Mary Jane Girls and whoever it was.
0: Yeah, it's that's uh, a, a hard question. And um, wow, I have to think about that one. Probably just to like it, let them mix with a little bit of rock, a little bit of funk a little bit of soul a little bit of a lot of things you know i would i think a little bit of jazz you know
1: and i guess rick rick brought something unique and special to it because you know it definitely had its own flavor
0: Mm -hmm. yeah 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 it was definitely its own sound you know
1: were you aware of all of Rick's, you know, backstory before he hit it big with come get it, that he had been, you know, working with, you know, or recording with Neil Young and all that background of the minor birds and all that stuff in Canada. How aware were you of all that?
0: Uh, not, not too much aware until after, uh, like a long while afterwards. Um, I knew it when um, what's his name he came over to the house uh lead singer for Aerosmith, uh, Steve Tyler, came over to the house and um, that's when I found out like he was he he worked with him and, you know, the Minor Birds and all that. And that's when I found out um, that he had that background, you know, because I knew he had like a rock interest in in his uh, background, you know, because he liked a lot of different music, jazz, whatever, you know, classical, he wouldn't listen to it all, you know, he had a uh, good interest in
1: everything. Yeah, I'd like to say, I think that the best funk uh, comes from having other influences like that, like rock or some jazz or whatever it is, just bringing it together and and giving it its unique sound like was the you know, would you say it's the Stone City sound or what, what would you call that sound?
0: Yeah, yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, I would call it Stone City Sound, sure. Yeah, definitely. Most mm. definitely, you know. Uh, yeah, it's definitely our sound.
1: And how much uh, would you, um, you know, solo more uh, in concert or, you know, how much would you extend things on stage compared to in the studio? Um,
0: it was just uh, kind of like uh Spur of the moment thing, you know, it's kind of like, uh, it just kind of happened, you know, I don't know. It, um, where you just, you just, t- you just kind of like get on that groove and you just, you just go for it, you know. It seems to work.
1: Would you say Rick was a, taskmaster more like a james brown type or was he more loosey-goosey like a george clinton type or somewhere in between or
0: yeah probably in, in between you know definitely uh quite a performer quite a performer um yeah it's just yeah it was just nothing nothing can really compare him you know with the energy he had on stage and um what he brought to the to the show, you know.
1: What what might be one or two of your your favorite records that you guys did?
0: Probably as I would say Street Songs, obviously. And uh Throwing Down was pretty good also. That record.
1: Yeah. Um so hard to get that was a great right one. right yeah. um what about uh individual tracks?
0: Individual uh When Your Love Is Gone on the Fire It Up album. Uh probably because my solo, you know, I I I kind of like was happy the way it came out, you know. So that's one. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Uh that's all i can think of at the moment you know I, I loved everything we did you know
1: were you around for the eddie murphy uh session
0: uh just for the video just for the video
1: oh was that a blast
0: yeah yeah it was you know it was kind of cool uh we did that in new york and um Yeah, it was pretty awesome, you know, seeing Eddie, you know, because you see him on Saturday Night Live and all that, you know. And he sang pretty good, too, you know. Hmm.
1: Well, he did those James Brown impersonations, so you knew he could carry a tune on some level, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, I love that um, Standing on the Top with the Temps, too, is actually one of my favorite Rick James tracks.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a ball. Um, we did the the uh, rhythm track. I think it was in Sausalito. And then uh, I don't know where they did the vocals, but uh, I remember the video. That was pretty cool. That was pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, making some history. Yeah. There's much more to this great Truth and Rhythm interview. Just continue on to the next part of the episode. Also be sure to subscribe to this channel. If you've already done so, please share it with friends. And become a member by joining Truth and Rhythm on Patreon or consider donating at FunkinStuff.net. Thank you very much.